find it such a strange dynamic though because like there's that thing of like he like when she turns the corner he's there like hello and i'm like oh like you know again no it's the bit where she puts him in the cupboard yeah and he's like are we playing a game and i'm like oh and when i he, feel so bad when he for eats you. the spinach and it gets stuck in there's so many that, th- that oh bit head. freaks me out that yeah. bit still freaks me out i wrote a note on my phone last night yeah. while i was watching it like this is scary yeah because it's just like his whole side of his face yeah. droops and it's like oh okay Frankly, my dear, I don't get are you not entertained well good movies hello and welcome to well good movies the podcast that gives you the topics worth discussing and the movies well worth watching i am your host david osger and uh, yeah, if you're listening and thinking what's happened to Film Talk, um, then, you know, we've had a bit of a change. But, you know, rest assured that uh, much of the show is still intact. Um, we still have our usual guests and uh, our discussions and our ever fun uh, endgame. Um, so, you know, one of those elements that uh, is a constant is also my co-host, uh, Craig McDonald. Craig, uh, do you want to also go through some of the thinking behind uh, our new name, etc.? So... Part of the concept of this show now is that we'll be having the same form of discussions, but the other thing we'll be doing is picking out notable suggestions from the type of discussions that we have and essentially adding them to what's known as the film vault. So this is where uh, the FG, uh, big up my man, um, well, basically uh, has asked us to find him a variety of uh, things which are worth enjoying. Um, Things which are well good, in his opinion. Nothing to do... Uh, with the well in which he inhabits, nothing to do with that at all. Just a coincidence. No. <laughs> yeah, was it another tidbit you were going to give on the new name? Or? Well, not really a tidbit on the new name. It's just a, an old tradition from the film talk was that you would give me some form of fun introduction. So I feel that we don't really know anything about you. And I think for the rebrand, it's probably a good thing. We know some things about our about uh, my beautiful co-host. Uh, so um, I would like to introduce you to a man who genuinely asked me once for a bag of air, uh, David Oscar. I felt like it was just going to be like, our new segment, <laughs> Punish Dave. No, that's just your life. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, we'll move on. So like I said, as usual, uh, guys, we're still talking about important discussions uh, related around uh, film and movies. Um, and throughout it, then we'll be sort of like, you know, giving our opinions, as Craig said, on what, you know, we think is we're suggesting to uh, the film Vault. And that can be bad or good, I suppose, in some ways as well. So today we are talking about Steven Spielberg because... You know, if we're starting this show off with well, good movies and, you know, we're better to start than, you know, the man himself, which is often highlighted as the pinnacle of directors and filmmaking. So we'll be going through his career, some of our favorite uh, Spielberg movies, what makes them so influential, the different eras that, you know, he sort of inhabited um, and some of the fun stuff that comes from watching his films. So to discuss all of that with us i am very happy to have two members of film talk fresh take family as they've been on the show before so you know what better chance to have them back on the show than where we're relaunching so you know she was on the first episode of film talk and she's now on the first episode of well good movies so it's a writer a film journalist kelly bishop hello hey guys thank you for having me back no it's okay yeah, it's a pleasure are you counting by days hours or minutes until Little Women. Um, I think I'm down to minutes and seconds. Right. Um, it's it's so exciting. I can't <laughs> wait. 
Have you got like one of those clocks on your website at all? I will be. I will put that on there like as soon as I get home from this. Is it a case of the minutes until I'm like crying into my popcorn or is it like... Say that as if I'm not going to be crying the minute I sit down in the cinema. (laughs) I don't know what it is about this movie, but like all the cast, Greta Gerwig, like I was crying through the trailer. I've watched it like... 60 times and I still cry Mm. it's my film of the year already and I haven't seen it yet yeah have you read the book I have yeah so it makes you a bigger fan as well um what sort of stuff are you working on at the moment obviously I know um we're sharing the burden of having lots of stuff we're writing etc um but I think you have you know you have some standouts in that you know you're writing about sustainability which Um, is great my big one is about how to make filmmaking more sustainable so looking at um how we can be more cautious of our environments when we're filming out in the world and obviously not to date the podcast but today is the day in which a lot of the climate protests are going on as well yeah that's why i thought yeah it was very very relevant so yeah uh look forward to reading those should be uh out and about um so like after october so also to discuss uh everything spielberg uh, with us today she joined us on our avengers discussion um she is also a writer and uh recently a um, big sort of online gaming streaming person <laughs> and big fan of uh, stranger things uh, check out her review of stranger things on uh, fresh take it's laura Lyshen. hello hello thank how, you for having me again how are you i'm good yes um, just to clarify um if your nose starts bleeding in this does that confirm you are 11 or related to 11 or <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> it's just just a coincidence maybe if it's like yeah tell us about um boogie mustache which is your sort of gaming platform that you have with a few people at the yeah moment. so at the moment me and a couple of other friends are currently trying to work our way up on twitch which is a streaming service mm-hmm. just generally having a good time just playing games chilling out kind of thing mm-hmm. Hopefully, we'll be able to make more of it in the years to come and actually be, you know, one of the big guns, who knows? But yeah, it's going well so far. What was the idea with Boogie Mustache when I first saw that? I was like, oh, it's a different different name. To be honest, um, I think it was kind of just a throwaway name that one of my friends just put out there. And we thought, huh, that's really funny. And it sort of just stuck. thought, we'll go with that. So, Yeah. That's yeah. Ironically, I was watching The Simpsons yesterday, and it was the episode where they have uh, where they're the B sharps, and it's a similar thing where they're like, "What? What's the exact sort of quote?" This it's like, it's it sounds incredibly witty, but it sounds it's less funny the more you hear it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, "What about the B sharps?" And then they all laugh, and they're like, "Yeah, let's go for that." <laughs> it's like, yeah. So yeah, that that's what often happens. Last week we uh, discussed about like blockbusters like you know in terms of how they're changing you know dominated very much by disney and then you get a lot of like uh high budget horror that's coming out so you know assessing whether like you know the summer movie season is the same anymore you know it's you know we had a very disappointing summer um and is there something to say about summer movies in general so um just picking up on you know the question that we asked on our poll on um social media so uh the question was is the traditional summer blockbuster dead and we had 33 percent for yep uh, it's just Disney and Netflix and 67% for never grab my popcorn. So, uh, yeah, thank you know, I think it's a good sign. Obviously, you know, people are still in faith that, you know, blockbusters are still um, alive and running. Uh, any quick thoughts before we go on to our main topic today, just about that, that sort of 
that topic or those those results. I'm not surprised no. by them particularly because like I I work retail, so I know kids in the summer sometimes you just need to put them in a dark room and leave them for a couple of hours yeah and cinema is a great way of doing that yeah. of just being like let's let the kids let's get them to sit down and be quiet for yeah. a couple of hours and also have something to entertain them as well so even though we've had a lot of those sort of classic reboots we had like yeah. lion king aladdin all of that lot um even though we've had those mm. which yes disney we can talk for hours about that but um I think it's given people that time. Yeah. It's, you know, it's understanding it as well from the point of view is at least just event movies now. Um, and then, like you said, when we were looking back at the summer blockbusters that happened like 10 years ago, you know, you were getting your likes of your Transformers, Mission Impossibles, uh, Sex and the City, The Hangover. You were getting a, like a big mix of different kind of films and the law, which would be just, you know, popcorn sort of films was like you know what we saw you know last time was just the, like actually a lot of those are now failing and the only ones that are sort of safe bets are the big franchises but so i suppose it depends on you know the way where you see the question really but um yeah i think you know what better way anyway to sort of like lead into our main topic than you know the guy who made you know blockbusters happen in a lot of ways um you sort of look into like the history of things like jaws and you know a lot of people will say that that is like the first major summer blockbuster just because of the way that, that film was advertised um, and how it sort of captivated audiences so you know today we want to sort of like ask you know what is it about steven spielberg that is so influential makes him such you know an, an icon of cinema especially because you know he's influenced so many people and he's he's in so many different areas as well you know he's a part of theme parks he's part of games he's part of tv he's like a producer he's you know a camera person he's a writer director you know he, he encompasses a lot you know of the film world but then at the same time you know his films aren't necessarily always the biggest you know when you look at a top 10 you know you're looking at like the likes of avatar titanic star wars you know which again none of those are sort of spielberg films so you know to you guys you know what what would you say is what does Spielberg mean to you and, and why do you think he's so influential? Laura, what, you know, what, what was your sort of opinion on it? Um, I just kind of think that he, like you said before, he, he covers like a huge base of everything. I think his films aren't sort of one genre either, so they can sort of, you know, appeal to a lot of different people. And I think a lot of his films as well are sort of, they're like almost, a lot of them they could appeal to a lot of generations as well the older ones for older people but um i'm trying to talk about ones that without me giving away too much about the films yeah. i've picked um but i think yeah i think there's a lot in each of his films that people can take whatever they want out of them really yeah yes good point um craig you know what was your sort of like take on it in terms of you know if you know, how influential he is, especially from the point of view of, you know, like writing, directing for film fans, etc. Realistically, I think one of his biggest qualities is that I think Laura's absolutely right in that, like, he he transcends a lot of genres, but he does have one particular trait that a lot of his films share, which is like just the element of positivity. And I think he manages to deal with sort of whimsy in a way that like really draws people in and like it's almost a very reassuring tone with a lot of his films, right? So even, like, the films where things get, like, a little bit more depressing, uh, there's always still an element of 
that draws you in insofar as things are going to be all right. And I think for a lot of audiences, and I think as well, looking back on their childhoods, they just get that sort of like warm, uh, they do get that warm feeling from a lot of films. Like I think as much as you can talk about technical elements of his films, when it comes to like the average film audience, they're always going to go for like the emotional draw above pretty much anything else. And I think that's something that like Spielberg manages to master. Um, whether that be like absolute over the top whimsy or whether that be like quiet, solemn moments uh, that really make you, that really make characters compelling. Yeah. Um, that's what I found from a lot of, a lot of his films. That's generally why I enjoy a lot of them. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, it, it, it works on that audience level, but you know, and not just from the technical point of view, but then there is very much that that side of things which you know is then if you know people are film students or film fans then there's that sort of other level which he works on which is you know i think when you look again at like other films which we'll mention later on um you know he whenever you see sort of behind the scenes footage of him when you look at other directors they very much are um sort of maybe just just directing the actors or they're just talking about how it looks spielberg's all like covers it all like you know I, I i he's a really fascinating person to look at how he works but also when he talks about things you you know he knows exactly what he's talking about and i think like when i've watched things on uh so like ready player one or jurassic park he's always talking about like you know well i wanted to do it with this lens and he's there i think you get those typical pictures of him with like the lens like holder thing he has on set he's always looking through that to see what it looks like and you can get a lot of directors who are very distant from that and will leave it to the cinematographer so i think that's why he's made such waves in the industry is because he knows what he's doing he understands the craft and the technicalities of filmmaking um but then also happens to be a very good storyteller um as well uh, Kelly, I know you saw like had sort of a different approach to this, which is very interesting. Yeah. And I think we all share those sort of like similar feelings in, in the other side of things. You know, what, what was your yeah, reaction? So for me, Spielberg's never, I don't hear, like I hear Spielberg and go, oh, that's going to be a really pretty film. Yeah. That film's going to look great mm. because he's got that real technical basis to his like film creation. Um, I don't often seek them out. I'm not first in line at the cinema mm. for them. Um, just because I don't know what it is. Like, I completely get the whole, like, whimsy and that positive spin on everything. Like, I think that's, that is a real staple of his work, as well as the fact that there's something there for everyone mm. with Spielberg. And I think sometimes that's what puts me off. Mm. I don't know exactly what I'm going to get. Yeah, I think it's sometimes uh, he plays it quite safe. And some people, if you look at some of his less successful films, then there tends to be the, the conversation of it's very Spielberg or it's very stereotypical of those um, sort of like typical tropes that, you know, that he does. Um, obviously, we can go more into specifics about like, you know, the eras of filmmaking, um, whether you guys want to go into sort of like, you know, your favorites from from the offset. So um, like Laura, what, what was it that you, you saw chose as, as your favorite Spielberg film? So my favorite um, it's coming from sort of like a nostalgic sort of point, really, um, was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm. Um, I know that's considered as the weakest one out of the, mm. the three. We won't talk about the fourth one. Right. Um, oh, we will later. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think I really like that one because it was a lot darker than the other two. I know the other two ha did have dark elements especially the the raiders at the end um but i think i don't know and i think short round in that one just 
yeah. he is the character in that film that just makes the film yeah. great, I think. That's what makes me surprised when you do see it's like the lesser loved one because there's so many elements of that which add to the typical things you see from uh, Indiana Jones. So there's often that sort of like the cart scene and short round and um, yeah, the sort of like deep in the jungles or stuff. And like, but you're like, a lot of the traditional Indiana Jones stuff comes from that film, but yet that's the the less liked film. But so, like I said, it was. Is it just that saw so you like watched that at sort of like a young age? You think? And yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, when I rewatched it yesterday, um, and I think I probably haven't seen it for a good ten years. Nice. Um, I haven't picked it up, and even when I was watching it, I was even though I you know obviously I know the story, but I was still getting that. Oh my gosh, you know. Mm excitement watching it it was yeah yeah what do you think is about spielberg then that does does or you know do you do you think it you can feel spielberg throughout that film like compared to others or do you think it works on its own i think it, yeah it would work on its own i think with that i i, I should have really watched the other the other two back and back to back with that one but i think that one it keeps the pace very well in that one although that's probably the i think that one is the longest one of the three yeah. there's no sort of parts that you think of filler or you know you sort of think oh this is a bit boring or there's always that you you want the story to progress not because you're bored but because you anticipate for it to get really yeah. really good and yeah yeah exactly you know he does action and chase sequences very you know really well so you know and i think that's what adds to his appeal especially it's almost like a theme park-esque appeal to spielberg because like i don't know if anyone like a scene like with Universal Studios, obviously he's very connected to that studio as a film studio, but then he's a very big part of those theme parks and stuff as well because he's got Jaws, he's got Jurassic Park, he's got Indiana Jones. So even though that, you know, is a paramount um, picture, but it's it's that idea that he does take people on a sort of like journey, but like sort of feeling like you're on a roller coaster kind of thing. And, you know, what more clear one do you need than an actual like, gold mine thing on a track to feel like you're on a, on a roller coaster um yeah so so with that one you saw prefer the darker elements of it then yeah 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 and re-watching it yesterday as well um i looked at the dvd case and it's actually a pg there is no way that is a pg film i know yeah there is some you know the heart scene and you know people dying in the you know going down in the cage you know there's no way i'd let a seven or eight year old watch that film no, no way there's loads of films like that and it's surprising that there, i don't think there is actually like a sort of like a checklist i think there's a sort of checklist but they can sort of like go well they show that but they don't show it in this sort of way so it passes so that it's it's individually based and you get so many films that then will sort of pass it pass through the thing because of that um and that's, yeah, that's be, really, it's like there is death in it, but it's not shown explicitly on screen. Yeah. So that'll bump it down yeah. rather than being like an 18. Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah, it, it's strange how they'll do things to certain films. And, and we, we've discussed before about like the dark 80s films that you used to get, especially with those. Like I think, uh, what was it I picked up the other day? It was like, it was like Return to Oz or something. And I was like, this is actually a U. And no, that was it. Watership watership down watership down is a you yeah what are you kidding me primetime bbc television i i know i i couldn't believe it i was just like surely this would have to be like contains frightening scenes would bump it up to a pg i thought at least okay 12 maybe not but still at least like pg yeah, yeah that is ridiculous um so i'm pretty sure bambi's a you yep yeah most disney films yeah. tend to be used 
Um, so, Cray, you know, what, what's, what did you go for, so your pick? Uh, so my pick is Lincoln. Um, I have this thing, thinking about it with Spielberg, and I think the thing he manages to do best, from my perspective, uh, is a lot of, like, individual characters. So the films of his I don't tend to like tend to be his larger ones, right? So I don't care about Jurassic Park, although we've discussed on the show before my issues with that franchise. Um, it's not anything to do with the films it's for. It's just my weird phobia. Um, I don't... I, I didn't like Ready Player One quite quite famously. Um, and just a lot of his other bigger films I, I wasn't really into. But when you get into, you know, films with, like, you know, character relations, so things like E.T., uh, Bridge of Spies, um, and Lincoln, where it's very much focused on essentially more, like, actual, like, character drama. That tends to be where I get invested a lot more. And I think Lincoln was just a prime example of that because when you hear of a film which is basically about the end of the American Civil War, you expect it to be rather grandiose insofar as that. And No, it's basically an entire film about a political voting procedure and how to win over people and just looking at like the ways in which they portray um like lincoln's integrity um just kind of won me uh won me around quite quickly and also just seeing essentially the the consequence of the films as well so like once they actually get the vote and you'd expect grand celebrations and no it's just a it's just a group of people who are incredibly tired just resting and in, and just enjoying the moment and just those are the sorts of moments i think only Spielberg could pull off because it's a very pod, very positive emotions, then in real, just incredibly realistic ways um, that some would that some would probably pull off as anticlimactic. But for him, it's very much, very much in moments. Um, yeah, that's that's it for me. I think I saw um, like when I was looking through the independent um, ranked all his films, and they had like a similar sort of comment what you said about the. Um, the political aspect of yeah. it. They said only Spielberg could sort of like make like the changing of a voting system exciting and like, you know, engaging, um, which is exactly true. And and something I've always enjoyed about it as well is, um, you know, spoilers, uh, Lincoln dies. Uh, if you don't know your history. Don't watch the President's Day episode of The Simpsons. That'll, that'll mess you up. It's the fact that any other director or filmmaker or studio would have gone like, you know, this will be the climactic thing of the film. This will be the big moment and everything like that. And it's so played as really like a sort of like somber and sort of yeah. more subtle moment. I think it's mainly focused actually on the sort of like aftermath of it than the actual sort of like killing really. Yeah, because they, they focus, a, a large portion of it focuses on uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character basically just laying in bed with his wife, mm. uh, just knowing that she'll be given like a chance in life. Yeah, And I was just like, damn guys like yeah. that's really powerful yeah it's yeah it, it does strike that balance quite well and like i said where you have other films that sometimes they say this is a bit too cheesy etc but i think with that one he saw like really saw like does it does yeah it and he does a good job at like working with ddl um and just getting out those strong qualities from him yeah because i've seen some i've seen a lot of daniel day lewis films and there are some that are utter crap <laughs> namely the film he did after yeah. lincoln uh Kelly, what was your sort of take on your favourite? So I went for AI, artificial intelligence. Um, I saw this probably for the first time when I was like nine or ten. Mm -hmm. So I was too young yeah. to have watched it, um, yeah. which is probably why it's one that sticks in my brain the most, mm. um, particularly Jude Law's character, Gigolo Joe. Mm. Um, 
some part of my brain remembers like that character like he pops up in my brain occasionally and I'm like was that an actual character that he played um but with that film in particular it's the way that Spielberg plays with family mm. and um the whole sort of premise is um replacing a child mm. with a robot yeah and teaching that robot to love yeah and it's it's one of those big sort of moral dilemmas um that comes up every now and again of like teaching a robot to be human and the way that Spielberg plays that out all the way through as well with like Teddy as well um there's just some really sort of real sentimental moments I cry buckets every time I go about halfway through and I message Dave last night going I'm watching AI again and I'm in tears yeah it's just one that really like digs into your heart a little bit and you really start to feel yeah I think it's because that main character is a child as well, mm. and and well, Haley Joel Osment as well. Oh, uh, Haley Joel Osment like really kills it in that role. Yeah, I also just find the production history of that film fascinating. It's it's, it's mad, like because it was it it doesn't feel like Spielberg mm. because it's Kubrick. That's yeah. what I was going to say. It's yeah. that it makes sense to me once I saw all of that. That I was like, right, yeah, okay, this it is... makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't know how I feel about the ending, though, is the big thing about that film. Yeah, I think you can take it from two ways. You can take it as, oh, that's really sweet, like, crying buckets. Or you can go, well, that's a bit of a cop-out because, like, it's, yeah. It's that's just pretty much like, what ah. I, yeah. It's just weird that Kubrick wanted it like that. yeah. You don't really expect a Kubrick movie to have a happy ending. Yeah. It's quite similar to sort of like 2001 Space Odyssey in terms of like this sort of like strange enigma ending kind of thing. Um, so that that I can sort of see the logic a bit more with. But it's also like Rouge City like seems yeah. so un-Spielberg-like and it seems very like Mad Max, crazy. Actually, it, it reminded me a bit of, um, we won't say the Tim Burton Batman films because Joel Schumacher brought them all in when he had that sort of crazy, you know, the the comic look of Gotham City, yeah. which he brought in more in the uh, films with Riddler and Mr. Freeze and everything. It almost reminded me of that look of Gotham City with those crazy big faces and yeah, it's statues really and stuff. Yeah, it's bizarre sort of element to that film yeah um and that and and that i think shows as well how spielberg can have different effects on different people and again it's all about like we've all you know like mentioned is about like you know when you watch the film and like you know whether it's linked to nostalgia you know i was similar when i was younger i was just like i think the adverts for it was always they always showed that shot of that like robot um sort of running away and she turns her head and they had that sort of vfx or shot of like oh look you can see inside her head like how interesting is this and i so i was always drawn to it that because i was like oh cool some sort of like you know you think of like something like irobot or something like that where they have that sort of like cool action robot sort of stuff and then yeah like as a you know teenager then i'm like watching it like what the hell is this you know this is not at all i expected so I revisited it because I was like, I'd seen similar, like loads of people, like it's it's quite a polarizing film in that there's loads of people who love it and say it's underrated. And I was like, right, let's give this a second chance because when I first watched it, I was just like watching it, like what the hell is going on? And I'm really creeped out by this. And I got to the end of the film, and I was like, right, okay. And what happens now? Then aliens appear, what? And like, yeah. so it was like, 
okay. And so that's where the second watch, I was like, okay, I know about this stuff now. Maybe I'll be more prepared for it. But I, yeah, I got to be honest, I'm still as creeped out by that film as I ever was. Yeah, I think I'm it's, really, I'm really, really sorry. creepy film. It's so ingrained in, but I think it's similar. Like, you know, you mentioned it, Laura, because you preferred the darker elements of Temple of Doom. So, you know, if, and like I said, I, I like it like when films are sort of like darker and creepier and that kind of stuff. But I think for me, it's just because AI doesn't, to me, I always felt that like it didn't know what it wanted to be. I was like, am I meant to be scared by David? Am I meant to be immensely I think, creeped out? I think that's why I like it. Yeah. Because it yeah. sort of flings you to and fro of yeah. how you're meant to feel. Yeah. Because one minute you feel really sorry for David. Yeah. And then the next minute he's grabbing onto Martin and you're like, oh my God, he's kind of scary. Yeah. Um. So it's it's playing with that sort of there's no real polar opposite there's no binary yeah it's very much a gray area the entire way through yeah i also find it hilarious that the child plays martin is played by the kid in lizzie mcguire i i had to research that last night because i was like he looks so familiar yeah and he's lizzie mcguire's little brother yeah so it's like oh okay <laughs> which takes me again used to because he saw like a joker character in that and then in this he's just saw like a spoiled brat i just I just can't get over the one shot where they have a Chris Rock robot. Oh, yeah, that is bizarre as well. So this <laughs> Just so shoving him into a cannon. Yeah, that's what that's what confuses me about this film. It's just there's so many weird choices that I'm like, what? Why is this here? Like, And, like, I didn't find Teddy as creepy this time, but like, I used to find Teddy quite creepy because he had that sort of, like, old man voice. Um, and also somebody I didn't realize was in the film is, um, the guy who plays, uh, Mad-Eye Moody. He's the like robots, the collector guy. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I also found strange in that film, the moment where they go to the fair and they're all like, this is what they've done now. They're, they're making a, 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 a robot that is too human and they're playing with our emotions and all this, like this audience that has so far been established as very, very anti-robot and like kill them now immediately changes their tone. And like it is immediately then attacks like the show and like lets David free. And I was like, I get how you felt sorry for David by him going, pleading for his life. But this seems such a drastic change of tone. Yeah. But I, I think that's part of what endears me to it is the fact that it's just a bit of a mess <laughs> yeah. as well. Like, it's not the cleanest movie. No. It's not the cleanest. It oh, doesn't yeah. Have... It, it definitely deserves respect in that it exists and good on it yeah. for being directed by someone and then that person dies. <laughs> well, I think also, you know, that's the bit I enjoy the most is the ending because I think it's quite sort of like quite interesting, the whole like New York aspect. See, well, I, yeah. I prefer the beginning. Yeah, I like the opening, right. like when yeah, they, I'm, when I'm they with get you David. on that. If you're gonna if you're gonna buy into anything, it's yeah. gonna be that dynamic. It's gonna be that whole that is weird. What? See that that's where I feel that the film knows what it is. It's like you know, like he's trying to like know what he wants to be. There's the blue fairy stuff. Where's the beginning? I'm just like, is the mother meant to love him? Are we meant to be scared of him? I so mean, there I, is that's, a weird that's time the jump. dynamic though. I know. I just find it such a strange dynamic though, because like there's that thing of like he. Like when she turns the corner, he's there like, hello. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, again, though. It's the bit where she puts him in the cupboard. Yeah. And he's like, are Aww. we playing a game? And I'm like, oh, and when I he, feel so bad When he eats you. the spinach and it gets stuck in, there's so many. That, that bit head. freaks me out. That yeah. bit still freaks me out. I wrote a note on my phone last night yeah. while I was watching it like, this is scary. Because yeah. it's just like his whole side of his face yeah. droops. And it's like, oh, okay. Laura, what's your experience of this film? I know you've seen it. Well, um, to be honest, I can't remember a lot of it. Because I watched it once when I was probably... That's how much of an uh, impact it made. Yeah. I watched it. Well, I say it did make an impact on me. I watched it when I was probably 
13 maybe yeah. and like you i cried yeah. it was the first film i'd ever cried at and since then i can't watch it because it's i just like i'm gonna cry at this i yeah. can't watch it it does sound like you've just blocked it from your mind. i think so yeah yeah although my mum gets a similar thing with et the music has to come on and she cries it's like what is wrong with you I get the same Hilarious. thing with Fox and the Hound. I'm just like, oh, I love I have, that film. But I have that with Philomena. I hear the music and it gets me going. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, on, on the like the decades of Spielberg, like so obviously his career has spanned like a very long time. Um, you know, do you guys think that like there are periods that stand out as like his best years? There's just periods you think that like, you know, there's this period, which is like very different. Is this period that's very different? Because you mentioned, Laura, like said, E.T., which... I think is a very indicative film of the 80s it captures a lot of that like nostalgia um and the music as well like i know i revisited that recently as well in preparation and i was just like the bit that stood out to me in that film was the john williams score and like i always loved the, the theme the plays when they saw like you know the bicycle thing but when i rewatched it i was like i forgot like how on it the soundtrack is in this film it's literally throughout this just like blaring throughout like the thing in a good way but like you know they really saw like you know make it a big part of the film fun fun thing with et um the ending piece of music Mm. um was written as like a concerto yeah um they didn't really have anything to fill it they were like we really like this piece of music so they actually filmed extra and added a 30 added 13 minutes to the film oh wow to fill the music for the ending that's cool did um yeah, what are your guys sort of experience with that? Because like I said, I know you find this all creepy, Kelly. ET and- I watched from underneath I, I actually think I mentioned earlier, I think I watched it from behind the sofa. I think I can go one better. I think I watched it from underneath our dining room table. Oh. In another room. <laughs> so yeah. there's Doctor Who watching behind the sofa, yeah. there's E. T. watching but underneath like, the dining table. Yeah, like Doctor Who I'm fine with. E. T. I still have like recurring nightmares of. Yeah. And I don't know why. I just can't watch E.T. anymore now I know about some of the the ways in which the direction worked. I'm just like, I find this I find this movie morally reprehensible. Oh. In what way? Well, the fact that in order to get, like, what's the name of the kid? Elliot. Elliot. In order to get Elliot crying, they just kept talking to him about his grandmother who had just died. Oh. And oh. like... Did you not know that? No. Yeah, I, all I uh, all I ever saw was like his audition tapes were like they, this kid's amazing. Like he's able to cry no, on order, demand. Yeah, in order to get him that emotional, they kept talking to him about his dead grandmother, and I was like, "What on that earth? Is no, not okay. I'm not cool with this." This is how much like I hated ET and my family. We had to hide the we had to hide the video mm. because I didn't like the video case. Um, my brother got gifted for Christmas one year um, a box of figurines. And the box played the music. Right. It has never been unboxed. Oh. We're keeping it boxed because we think it might be worth something. Okay, there we go. But it's just like, we didn't when we bought it because we just thought, oh, it'll be choice for Nathan to play with. Mm. Um, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was just me. Look, I took one look at it and went, nope, not allowed that. It's it's very similar to those other 80s films. And I bring it up when we talked about like Brave Little Toaster before, when you get those films that start really eerily, like, silent and odd and et has that it just comes up on screen like et and it's just like and you're like oh my god what the hell is happening here um but yeah i I think you know in the end i saw and like again him getting drunk and stuff there's loads of weird things but i still love it for like all the iconic moments it gives with him like with the bicycles i was gonna say the one that always sticks in my head is when he's dressed up 
Yeah. yeah. Like, that's the image that comes to mind. It, it's quite scary in some ways. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and him uh, collapsed in the stream when they, he gets lost. Oh, yeah. That is, like, he's just, like, all, like, white and, like, yeah, screwed up. And I'm like, oh, God. He Gives looks... me shivers thinking about yeah. it. I don't like it. For me, it is always going to be that goodbye scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's... Heartbreaking. Well, like, what I love about it as well is again, it's got that Spielberg style of like intentional choices. I love how he has all the adults, um, apart from like his mum, don't show their faces until like the very end of the film. So they have um, the police and uh, you know wherever they are, the FBI forensic people throughout the film. You keep seeing them, but you only see them from like the shoulder down, and you get an emphasis on their legs and stuff like that. So it's always that's all like you know looking up at a, an adult sort of feeling of being a child. And they keep running with that. In, and like the sort of way he introduces it is when they come over the hill to the house, they're all in like silhouette and shadow. And then once they interact with Elliot, that's when you start to see their faces and stuff. And I think that's quite a sort of like cool, cool aspect to have to it. What about sort of like another iconic one, um, Jurassic Park? Um, like I said, we'll, we, won't, we won't ask Craig about it. No but, comment. Um, Laura, you know, do you, what's your sort of feelings with that one? Yeah, um, I think, again, I think because of the time they came out... Um, Craig will probably disagree with this. I think I was very young when they came out and I, I saw them as they came out. Um, but I don't think I was old enough to really appreciate mm. how good the special effects were at that time. Yeah. Whereas when I look at them now, I think, gosh, they're like, you know, coming up to 30 years old yeah. and they still look pretty good. Yeah. I think that is probably the saving grace of that. Um, the first one is definitely the best one obviously the raptor scene with the two kids in the kitchen Mm -hmm. that is just that that is the best part of that film um to be honest i can't really think of any other really good bits of Uh, i think the the t-rex like in the rain like crushing down on the upside down jeep i think that's always like an iconic and that's like and that that first seeing the dinosaurs as well like that oh with the with the music playing yeah it's so key to that whole film it gives you that whole sort of swelling feeling well it's also um i think uh it's a youtube channel called uh films and stuff he does uh this video uh called like why jurassic park looks better than its sequels um and that's all brings up an element i never thought of which he compares fallen kingdom jurassic park and he shows about because jurassic park um, was like filmed in sort of like full screen aspect ratio, like a, an IMAX similar, you know, depending on the camera they used, you get the full width. In Fallen Kingdom, it's because it's then a widescreen film. When you then see the uh, the long, what are they call Brachiosaurus or something like that, yeah. the, the long necked dinosaurs, it doesn't have the same impact because you can't see the full length of the dinosaur. The camera has to like pan up and you lose a lot of the grand of that moment whereas that scene you just mentioned that's how you get that you see the entire dinosaur and, and it has a massive effect on how effective that film is and yeah so it's, it's a really good video i recommend watching it but but yeah shows how spielberg understands that technical side so much as well which i find bizarre that they've not then done that afterwards i don't know why they went let's make a jurassic park film and have half the dinosaur cut out um it's, it's a bit weird but um i think that's going to be the idea of a, a rush job to be honest yeah it was um, them going, we've made Jurassic Park. It did really well. You know what a dinosaur looks like, yeah. guys. Come on. You've seen them before. Yeah. Um, it's not a novelty anymore. Another one which is kind of 
I don't say controversial, but sort of like, you know, has different opinions is Hook, um, because that's always one that's highlighted as children who grew up in the 90s and 80s grew up with that film, but then very much like was sort of panned by critics. And even Spielberg himself has kind of criticized that film um, as well. You know, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Um, Again, it's the one that I've sort of seen once and never really watched again. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, is it because it was too upsetting? <laughs> no, 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 I think it was just, it just didn't grab me as a as a film, really. See, yeah. I, I sort of loved this so much because of the Dustin Hoffman hook. Like, that's why it grabbed me so much was because, like you said earlier, with that dark element, I loved the, like, the scene where the children get kidnapped, I think is amazing when you have, like, the hook trail that, like, goes through the house um, and, like, you have the... The frantic nanny like the children have been taken and like you know and you have the window open and you have that music from john williams you have the score and yeah to me sorry kelly about jason isaacs but dustin hoffman is hook to me like no. he, he is like my hook so and i just love his performance in that he is so good it's just like i love the he's like, incredibly funny and the twitching mustache with the, the clocks and the like you know, the I even enjoy the, the bizarre contemplation thing he has when he's just like, I'm going to kill myself, Smee, don't let me do this, Smee. And like, it's a really bizarre moment, but it, it shows you a great element of the character that he's like, he only wants to live to fight Peter Pan. And if he can't, then he has no reason to live, which is just a fascinating way to look at a, a fairy tale character. For me, one of my favorite scenes, I think this element, how good Dustin Hoffman was, was where he was like motivating his crew and he's talking about like, who's the one who finally took out that, uh, that um, crocodile, yeah, Alli- yeah, yeah, crocodile, yeah. Um, who turned him into the clock, and they're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like who was the ones who doubted me, and then just uses that to basically weed out the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think we can talk about Hook without mentioning Robin Williams, though. Oh, no. yeah. That's the thing. Like, what a what a gem. Yeah. Like he just he, like that film that whole travels sort of through. Yeah. He's there that that's the character that we sort of follow all the way through it's yeah gorgeous. and he also adds a lot of emotion to i think the similar he does in mrs doubtfire when he's like talking to jack and like you know when you're saying like you know like i believe in you jack you know and all that kind of stuff that that's all like really touching because i think an interesting thing like from a peter pan perspective like i'm a massive fan of the films the books all of that mm. um peter pan isn't a character we're meant to like care about a huge amount like yeah. he's he's a bit he's ex- he's just a bit arrogant yeah. and he he wants everything done his way mm. so actually to have like hook take that slightly different direction with like he's grown up and he's done the thing he said he definitely would not do like it's it's quite a nice sort of follow-on something that's interesting don't mean to like bring the mood down too much but you do like i said i know we haven't um all like experienced or watched this film to its fullest but i think there's a very visual a very big reason why but it links in to robin williams so schindler's list if you actually look at some of the trivia for that film steven spielberg actually had to ha- ring robin williams on a daily basis during some of that shooting because he needed to cheer himself up that much and i think it's such a nice thing for like again to remember robin williams that he had that effect on people so at the darkest horrible sort of I'm not saying that, like, you know, shooting a film is horrible, but obviously... Shooting a film like Schindler's List. Well, he's making a film about literally the worst thing that's ever happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to say that I'm not saying that the filming of that was a similar experience. We agree with you, which is why we gave you examples to support you. (laughs) So 
but yeah, because he's documenting and sh- like watching these horrible things all day. It's the fact that yeah, like Robin Williams was there to like cheer him up on the other side of the phone. Um, I think like we've all agreed that it's just like it's something that sticks with you. It's like the girl in the red dress thing, the the scenes you see of it. And again, it, it's it's very much then in that opposite end of like what Spielberg is good at, uh, which is then sort of like giving you very weighted emotions or serious topics. And it was a very big passion project for him. Um, I think mainly because, you know, he um, himself, you know, f- faced, you know, anti-Semitism. Um, and I think he also said something interesting is that he felt he was more like a reporter than a filmmaker on that film, which I think is good. Um, and something I think is just really uh, worthy of, you know, appreciation is that he actually forwent a salary on that film. So he didn't actually get That's paid good. for that That's because lovely. he didn't want it to be what he considered to be blood money, which I think is is pretty um, I'm amazing. assuming he donated the money to particular causes. Yeah, there was a lot of like, um, you know, working with the, you know, uh, the Holocaust Remembrance Society and stuff in the making yeah. of that film. And I think, yeah, a lot of the stuff like went towards that. You know, it is a very important film for that. Um, actually, something we didn't mention was like my favorite Spielberg film, and it's on a similar note, is Empire of the Sun. I know um, you guys said you didn't see it before, but it's along those similar lines of, I think it balances really well, lighthearted, but also serious drama. Um, it's the first film that was ever, uh, that was filmed in Shanghai for about, 40 years they hadn't filmed anything there until since 1940 and it was the first american film to be able to film in shanghai and when you watch it it shows because it's such a such a vividly different looking film because they're in such a different setting um and it's actually christian bale saw breakout roles so it's a very weird experience watching christian bale as like a 12 year old child in this film you're like oh my god this because you can see it in his face it's like that's christian bale but he's really you know short and young and also nice tidbit is that he sings a welsh lullaby during that film so even if you just watch the trailer he sings the welsh lullaby in the film um, which is at the moment and um, which he's like what sort of is that? um i can't remember the exact name of it now i don't want to sort of like um but butcher- yeah no, it's not that <laughs> yeah um i don't want to butcher the name of it but um yeah it's uh it's played when he saw pain was it one of the ones i sang uh possibly Gwahoviad? No. Okay, never mind. No. It's like um, Saw Me or something like that. Okay, we'll um, look it up later. Um, yeah, but yeah, he sings that when he saw paying tribute to the Japanese um, fighter pilots. That, so he saw kept in like a Japanese, uh, like a, a prison camp. And it also has a very, very touching ending, but it has so many like great moments in it, um, especially because, again, uh, Spielberg approached it because he has that sort of fascination with World War Two, which we see in um, Saving Private Ryan. He also loves aviation and like this character is sort of like um, fascinated by planes and things like that. So when he's like, when the the camp is sort of like, uh, sort of like these American fighter planes fight over, like Christian Bale's character. And again, you sort of see this, and you're like, right, I understand why this was like a future Oscar winning actor because he just nails it in terms of like, he gets so like excited and crazy about like seeing these fighter planes because he's been stuck in this prison camp. Um, and then you just have this like really dramatic and hor- like, you know, heartfelt scene between him and this guy who saw being like a father figure to him in the prison camp where he just breaks down because he suddenly realizes he can't remember his parents' faces because he got split up from them at when they, uh, he originates from like this part of, uh, Japan where it's like a British settlement. So because World War II and everything happens, then that gets invaded and all the British settlers need to 
get the hell out of there or they're put into pr- uh, prison camps. So Christian Bale is split up with his parents from that point on. And it's this all like finding your parents sort of thing. So that's why it's really touching. Um, but yeah, he gets this like really emotional moment. Um, yeah, lots of sad faces. But yeah, that's <laughs> probably yeah. why I haven't watched it. it. It's But it is a beautiful film for so many reasons, visually, emotionally. Um, yeah, I just love it. It's also got John Malkovich in it as well, which plays like quite a sort of like random role in it. Any others that sort of stand out to you guys? Maybe saw the more modern ones. I know saw like for you, for you Craig and Kelly. So those are the sort of more standouts for you. Is that sort of like post two thousand era of Spielberg? Yeah, I think the one that really stands out for me is the BFG because yeah. it's it's animated for one, and it's taking a slightly dark. Well, it's taking Roald Dahl, which is a children's story, but the way the film sort of like everything that I remember from watching it I haven't watched it in a while um, it's quite dark yeah. like there's a lot of visuals in it that are really dark as well as the whole actual like story of it as well like the BFG is just quite a dark story yeah yeah. well David and I are used to how dark the BFG is a story can get aren't we yeah we saw yeah, a, a theatre production of it in Cardiff years ago and it was <laughs> the way in which they portrayed the giants going around uh, eating children was just yeah Stroke of creative genius. <laughs> Do you want? Yeah. So essentially, uh, they had essentially what I can only describe as an impromptu dance session, where they had like a, there was a doll's house that they had on stage throughout uh, to represent you know the size of the houses. The giants rip the the roof off this doll's house, pull out a Dora the Explorer doll, and just rip its head off. <laughs> and they ju- they just rip its head off. And they're like. Oh, it just wow. run off and I was like, oh my God, all these kids next to it are going to be going, Dora, no! It's akin to the <laughs> Pinocchio. Pinocchio burning on stage level. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Wow. Um, yeah. For those asking why we were watching a production of the BFG, <laughs> yeah, it's because uh, for a performing arts exam, uh, we were doing a scene from the BFG. So we wanted to see uh, as research uh, the way in which we could do it. I think um, it was not good. <laughs> it, not that. Don't do it that way. Uh, interestingly, oh, no, I meant us, not them. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Interestingly, yeah, I, I've always loved Roald Dahl, and I love those sort of like dark elements of it. But yeah, I, I've it's been on my list to watch for years, and I haven't had a chance. Like to it's see a it. really beautiful film. Yeah, like it's one of those. I think it makes perfect sense for Spielberg uh, touching that sort of film, just because for everything we've talked about him have, right, having a sense of whimsy, but also having a sense of like darkness. Mm. Roald Dahl's stories are basically perfect for that sort of adaptation under his belt and he also like has had a good sort of working relationship with uh, mark rylance of, of recent years so yeah. you know what better way to get him into a film than put him as the bfg which i think is great casting looking through like his previous other ones there's obviously other ones that people would want us to talk about you know he's got like a massive career there's there's loads i think terminal as well you know i think it's a really like that one i find like really emotional i think that's one of the major ones that sort of made me cry watching. Or as I basically know that film, How I Lived My Life Last Summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, just shout out to things like, you know, Amblin, which is his first short film, which then created his production company, Duel, which was like the TV movie that sort of started his oh, career. I love Duel. Um, it's so mad. You know, Jaws. I think one of my favorite quotes of Jaws is um, in one of the behind the scenes sort of features they have with that. The producer, David Brown, um, talks about how uh, Spielberg uh, was 
requested to submit storyboards to the studio about how it was going, but he didn't actually submit certain ones because he didn't want them to sort of say, don't do that. Um, so like his phrasing, and this is how I feel about the film, is that it's a guerrilla movie or a big independent movie masquerading, masquerading as a big studio film. And I think that's what does lend itself to why it's become such a big cult following. The soundtrack um, for Jaws as well is oh, yeah, so yeah. good. Also just great in the... Cause was it on a previous episode we discussed this or outside it where basically they had to rewrite the film because the the shark animatronic just didn't work so yeah. they had to change the nature of the film yeah and and that's what and every saw like that's always um the sort of story that follows it and i think that documentary that's like on like the jaws blu-ray is called like the shark still works um because it's such a famous thing that it didn't work um something crazy in that film though just quickly it's like there's a scene in there which is like in a cage and like they had to shoot real life shark stuff for that so i just found it hilarious that they were like oh we can't get the shark to work but then they were like we'll film this guy actually encountering a real shark like bashing this cage and going crazy on top of it and stuff i'm like okay (laughs) you know like that sounds a bit dangerous but um but yeah, I think, you know, that's become a big narrative, but Spielberg will always say, if I was making this film today, it would be rubbish because, like, it wouldn't have given me that ability to add the tension and everything to it. Maybe that's what happened with War of the Worlds. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, you know, you got the whole cool thing of, like, you know, see it before you go swimming and all, all that kind of stuff. My favourite thing with Jaws right now is the fact that they do lake viewings, like, oh. in Australia... People will go out onto lakes in dinghies and in rubber rings and watch Jaws on a projector. Yeah. They had one of in those. The water. They had yeah. one of those wow. last week at Pontypridd Lido. Oh, amazing! Oh, wow. I I just think it's it's so good. Like I just think that's such a clever way of doing it. Yeah, I just love the original promo because they had this guy Percy Rodriguez who did the voiceover for the trailer, and he has this really sort of like you know James Earl Jones esque booming voice and like the line he says in it and again like you can see why this changed tv advertising for films it's as if god created the devil and gave him jaws <laughs> what a line <laughs> and like i can't do it justice because i've not got this guy's voice but i'll show it to you afterwards it is amazing right thanks guys so yeah obviously um loads of recommendations there for um Spielberg movies the big question is what can we put in from the film vault from that entire library we are obviously going to be hunted and killed by some fans out there because we're not going to put them all in um we could but it's you know, when we go we're not going to put Schindler's List in and everyone's yeah. like what well it's whether you get it's whether on today's merits talking about I think for today we're talking about the influential Spielberg films why is he influential what makes him so famous so you know let's take those films that represent that in in the film vault you know so you know what what sticks out to you guys do you do you think it's your favorite films do you, do you think that's just you i know? think we spend a lot of time talking about jurassic park and how a lot of that represents like the way in which he like creates that feeling with people so i would recommend that for one of the spots yeah i agree do you think yeah. i would say everyone it jurassic park is like one of those you have to watch sort of films. And I think Jaws as well Jaws has to go. Jaws would be my other one, I think. Yeah, Jaws and Jurassic Park, I think, have to go in there. Um, I think some of the ones we went through are maybe a bit too sort of like hit and miss for lots of people. So maybe like your hooks and AIs and that kind of stuff. Um, E.T.'s bit, not going in. It too creepy, is it? Or? Well. What was your opinion, Laura, on E.T.? Uh, I never really sort of connected well with E.T. I think he was too 
weird looking okay. to be yeah so yeah today et does not get the love in the film vault um fg needs to be entertained yeah he doesn't need creepy surely then raiders of the lost ark has to go in there then so or well or, or we just the indiana franchise yeah, yeah without the fourth one <laughs> yeah. the true indiana fr- yeah. franchise yeah. the three the, the trilogy f- yeah the trilogy um yeah, if if not alone, just for that moment in which Indy shoots that guy with the sword, like that, that's just one of the best moments in film ever. Um, yeah, I, I think we're pretty happy that 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 covers. Like I said, we can go down the saw like serious dark stuff. You know, if, like what are the best war films and what are the best depictions of humanity and stuff. And I'm sure they're saving Pride Ryan and Schindler's List. But to me, I don't think of those films and go Spielberg. I think amazing films and amazing on Spielberg for doing them. But I don't think they represent him as a director. So I also think the FG would appreciate not giving him uh, not being given anything serious and dark, given that he's in a serious situation being down a dark well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, going into the film vault this week is Jurassic Park, uh, the Indiana Jones trilogy and Jaws. Jaws. Yes. So into the film vault you go. So yeah, uh, please share with us your comments um, about, you know, what's your favorite Spielberg film? Uh, do you disagree with us? Do you think that there should have been more or like there's one that we didn't talk about enough? Please let us know on uh, social media, but don't hunt us down and kill us uh, and rip out our hearts. Because <laughs> uh, like I said, there's so many Spielberg films, we can't get through them all. Um, moving on now to another um, famous icon of cinema. We're going to go into our uh, traditional end game uh, which will see our guests kelly and laura pitted against each other so craig please introduce us to this week's end game so we've talked a lot about spielberg this week and i think we've we've talked about all the things that make him iconic and make him uh appeal to audiences and i think i wanted to use this end game to talk about somebody very dear to my heart who i think is equally if not more influential than spielberg because not only has he conquered the film universe but he's managed to go into all aspects of entertainment. And for that, I think he truly, truly needs to be honored. So today we are dedicating this end game to David Hasselhoff. <laughs> okay. Oh so this God. game is called What's All the Hasselhoff About? Oh, I love it. Wow. The idea of this game is that we have got a series of film cameos or films that he's generally been in. Uh, we're going to play you clips from those films and we would like you to guess which film it is now the fg has been generous in giving uh, in this in that we're not just going to make you remember films he's been in uh here is a small list of his filmography for you to go through so all of the clips are on this list but we're not having a clip from every single film so take a quick minute have a look through the films see if there are any that you find particularly notable Wow. He has been in a lot. Yeah. So is there any there that you that think stand out for you? Or um, SpongeBob. Yeah. Yes, I knew he was in <laughs> I SpongeBob. Knew, I knew he was in it, but I'd forgotten. I blanked that film out. Yeah. I don't even know what some of these films are. Yeah, like, he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think I secretly know more Hasselhoff movies than I thought I did. Because <laughs> I'm looking through this list going, yep. Okay. I know a few of those. So... As an interesting aspect this time, uh, we're also having a bonus round. So when you hear a particular piece of music and you will know what the music is, 
uh, we are going to go into an end game, which is basically looking at the songs of Hasselhoff. One song in particular. What we'll do is we'll play you that song up to a certain point, and we would like you to guess the next lyric. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so what we'd like to do is we'd also like to try and physically show you the video from the film as well once the answering comes up. Okay, so ready for the first clip? Yes. All hands on deck! Okay, Laura, which film do you think that was? Spongebob. I went for the same. Okay, so I can happily tell you that that was... Correct, that was from the Spongebob film. Uh, Can anyone remember what's happening in that scene? Yes. He turns into a boat. Yeah. Specifically, this is what's going on. Oh, it's that bit. Doesn't he turn into a boat, though, as well? Yeah, that's when... That's right after he turns into a boat. Oh, okay. I thought I'd made that up. (laughs) No, he's done the speedboat action out into the middle. Um, He essentially does a Mrs. Incredible, like Elastigirl, so yeah. Excellent. So after that, you both get a point. So the next clip, so I'll be up front. Basically, his uh, performance in this film is purely one of his songs, but we couldn't find the original footage uh, for reasons. So this is the song playing for his cameo. So there won't be a video for this one. Just tell us which film you think this song appears in. Now I know this song. I just don't know what film it's in. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, I, I wish the audience could see me and David dancing <laughs> together. That would be like the dream bubble happening. <laughs> it's the closest we've ever been. <laughs> okay, Kelly, what do you think it is? I feel like it's Guardians 2. Okay, Laura? I have no idea, so I wrote Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> So I can tell you that those answers, so first of all, Kelly, your answer is, and Laura, your answer is, the correct answer is Eurotrip. Oh. Oh. One genuinely underrated film. Uh, Yeah, it's finally got into the podcast. We love Eurotrip. Such a stupid film. Yeah. Basically, uh, he's having a dream about reuniting with his uh, German love. Uh, and as they're making uh, as they're making love, this song is playing, and also the video is physically there in the bubble in the corner, which is of course like David Hasselhoff like on a beach, I think topless, yeah. <laughs> like singing. It's oh, you can actually you, you can yeah. find the video to the song online. Um, but with that music, I can happily tell you. This is the bonus round. Oh. So, can anyone tell me what that song is? What do you mean, what it is? Yeah, what is that? It's the David Hasselhoff song. Yeah. Yeah. So, what this song is, it's genuinely a ridiculous song, which is called Jump In My Car. It was performed originally by the Ted Mulberry group, uh, and then David Hasselhoff released the version in 2006. It is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen, but it is absolutely brilliant. So like I said, what we're going to do is we're going to show you the video and get you to listen to the song. We would like you to guess the next lyric. Are we ready? 
Yes. Go on then. I'm surprised you will ever be as the lyric is why where you live i live down south it's roughly it's roughly what two miles away so you think two while two miles away i don't know what was the lyric before i live down south it's roughly i'm thinking it's hasselhoff so it's probably something really friggin rude okay so it's sort of like right near your mouth Oh, okay. Rhyming. So the answer is... 84 miles. So Laura is closer. Do you think we give a What was the answer? What did she give? Two miles. Okay. Mm, It's up to you. I don't think there's going to be a bonus point for this one. (laughs) However, there's a second part to this. So we'll start playing again. So what's the only thing to say if all that is true? Bearing in mind the name of the song. Yeah. Jump in my car. So to recap the lyrics we've had so far. Why, where do you live? I live down south. It's roughly 84 miles. Hey, slow down. You must be joking. There's there's no way that you can. Oh, no, I'm not. Well, if you're not, there's only one thing to say. And what's that? You should jump in my car. You should jump in my car. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. Okay, I think you're going to be kicking yourself because the answer is... Get out the car, get on your way. Get out of my car. It's just too far. It's get out the car. <laughs> get out the car. Literally yeah. just wow. changes to then get, get out, out the of my car. car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, unfortunately, no bonus points picked up in the bonus round. I'm, de- I'm devastated. That's fine. This time we're going back to traditional movie cameos. So, here's clip number three. Find the form that best suited you. And this is the thanks I get. You really need to grow up. So, which film do we think that is? Laura, you seem pretty confident. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Kelly? Guardians 2. David? It is Guardians 2. And, as promised, here is the full scene. I think if you just listen, it's weird how listening to that sounds like, it sounds like it could be like a 90s dodgy CGI film where he's like sort of molded into something, but then you're like, (laughs) like, oh wait, when you watch it, it, yeah, it changes the context. Okay, so after that, they both get a point. So yeah, it's two all at the moment. Our next clip, um... Basically, we're just going to show you the video up front because I think it will give you no context as to what the film is whatsoever. Wow. That's, that's so, are we ready? Yes. That's the one where I thought I knew the music. Um, like trailer music or film scores. Um, yeah, so fun fact, David doesn't know what any of these are, so he's looking at what I've named the files and he's even confused as to what this film is. Okay, Kelly, what film do you think it is? 
it's just weird enough and random enough to have him on him in space um, for it to be Keith Lemon the movie because it sounds like the right thing. Keith Lemon the movie, Laura. I'm going to say legacy because I don't even know what that is. So okay, <laughs> both of those answers are unfortunately. Are you ready for the correct answer? I feel like I've seen it somewhere, but I can't think of a You're film. You're not going to believe me when I say this. That was Sharknado 3, Oh Hell No. Ah, oh, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> that classic. <laughs> Your reaction is, oh hell no. <laughs> ...from Sharknado to find the David, David Hasselhoff cameo. And this one where literally the sharks are attacking a space station. And at one point, the characters go, how can they survive in space? How can they survive in a tornado? Fair. Okay, so unfortunately, no points after that. Let's go back to another clip. You went back in the war. You little ginger moron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was actually talking to somebody today about how people who are ginger get like prejudiced in film, and I'm like, oh, I feel so bad. <laughs> So I broke David. <laughs> I want to I say it's one of the Baywatch films, but I don't feel like it would put a line like that. In, although well, that's never... part of the game. You just have to think about... I mean, let's not forget, you two have sat through my end games before. You know how devious <laughs> I could oh, be. Oh, yes. yes. Okay, let's start with Kelly. I'm thinking, I was along the same lines with Baywatch, um, but then I think I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for Three Crazy Jerks. Okay. I'm going to say Piranha 3D. Okay, so Kelly, I can say that your answer is, and I can say, Laura, your answer is, That was indeed that Piranha free, uh, free DD. So. It was 3DD. I thought that was a typo. Sorry. Oh, yeah. So. so here is the actual clip. Just the what? fact they have the Baywatch theme play after. <laughs> well, they also call him Mitch. That's his character in Baywatch. Yeah. Literally right before it, um, a woman goes up to him and say, aren't you going to do anything? And he says, well, if they get out of the water, it's not like the fish are going to follow them home. <laughs> <laughs> So after that, Laura gets a point. Congratulations. Yeah, so making it 3-2 to Laura. Wow. So our next clip. So yeah, let's not forget that David Hasselhoff speaks German. So which film do we think that is? Laura. I think Kelly knows, so I'm going to go first. Um, I'm going to say dodgeball. Laura's going with dodgeball. I was going with dodgeball. The answer is... Yeah, it, it's dodgeball. Yeah. My fiancé would have been so angry. Yeah, so I recently rewatched that film over the summer and saw that he had the cameo, which case... In fact, fun fact, it was this clip that inspired this entire game. Wow. <laughs> so if you don't like this game, you have that one clip to blame. We have David Hasselhoff to blame. And even though I didn't know the answers, I think I could at least work out DB as dodgeball. <laughs> and I said, 
Yeah, I mean, that's why we didn't have the guest sat next to me. (laughs) Okay, next clip. This is probably my favorite clip. Didn't anybody ever tell you not to bring a knife to a gunfight? Didn't anyone ever tell you not to hassle the hoth? Oh, (laughs) no, he didn't. So what film do we think this is? Um, based on what they were talking about, I think I'm going to go with Dancing Ninja. Okay, so Laura is going for Dancing Ninja. Kelly is going. That was the one that first came to mind. But I think it might be Kicking It Old School. You're going for Kicking It Old School. So, Laura, your answer is... Kelly, your answer is... The correct answer is killing Hasselhoff. Fair. So here's the extended clip. This clip is extended for a very good reason. Why is he so oily? Oh, God. Just so if you wanted to see that oil, of course. Yeah. So I found this and I was like, I don't care. It's not a cameo. It's going in. So is that just a film about people trying to kill David Hasselhoff? Yeah, so what's happening in that scene beforehand is that murderer is saying, I don't know whether to kill you or to make love to you. It's really weird scene. And that's why then David Hasselhoff grabs the samurai sword. In, in the later clip, he is actually swiping down bullets. It's really, really obscure. Deadpool style. Okay, uh, our next clip. Are we ready? Justin! Oh, you must be Chen. And you're... A young loner on a crusade to champion the cause of the innocent, the powerless, the helpless, in a world of criminals who operate above the law. Right, unless that's messing, unless that's really tricky, I think that's Knight Rider 2000. You think it's Knight Rider 2000? I think it's Knight Rider 2000. Okay. I'm going to give you a moment to reconsider those answers based on... Based on what I'm like, yeah, I'll give you one chance to change that answer. I'm sure he wouldn't put the music in. Um. Just say if you're going to stick or if you're going to change. Oh, because I don't know if you're being tricky by giving (laughs) us a chance to reconsider. That's very true. I'm going to stick because I think that music's copyrighted. Okay, so you're going to stick. Oh, I don't know what to do. Conundrum. I can't think of what else it could be. I'm going to say Keith Lemon then. You're going to think it's the Keith Lemon movie. So, Laura, your answer is... Kelly, your answer is... Oh. You're going you're gonna to hate yourself because you've already said the answer in a previous round. The answer is kicking it old school. Oh, of course ah. it is. So, here is the full clip. Amazing. Yeah. So... They were clearly, what the hell is going on? Um, and that was part of the trickery that I wanted to play. So, But obviously, um, you had Kit from Knight Rider there, uh, who's famously a car, which means... Second bonus round time! So, I love that bonus round music. Yeah. Just gonna throw that out there. So we're going to go back to the to the remain, remaining part from Jump in My Car. So, so obviously you know that the last last lyric beforehand was 
get out the car, get on your way. We're just looking for uh, when the uh, video goes to black, the next lyric. Ready? Here we go. So, what's the next lyric? What's the recap of the line? So, get out of my car. You told me that you were a really nice guy. What's the next lyric? Bear in mind, think about the fact that he's trying to kick her out of the car. Maybe something along the lines of, I'm actually a jerk. I'm actually a jerk. Kelly, what do you think? Um, I don't care. Just get out of my car. Just reinforcing. (laughs) I don't care. Get out of my car. So, so long as my rewind has worked, the answer is... What a jam. I feel like I need to add this to my Spotify playlist. Yeah. It's, it's an absolutely great track. What a banger. The, the album art is exquisite. You know, <laughs> if you think the quality of the video is good, wait, wait till you see the album art. Oh, yeah, is it literally all green screen? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Fantastic. So, okay, so we have I'm Actually a Jerk, which is very similar to Well, I Ain't a Nice Guy. Mm. And we did have a lot of reinforcing of Just Get Out of My Car. So I'm going to award you both a bonus point for that. Oh, so generous. Thank you. So that is the end. So that is the end of what's all the hassle half about. So David, please reveal the final scores. Uh, the scores are four to Laura, three to Kelly. So very close. Um, so Laura, congratulations on winning your uh, on winning uh, your second end game participated in. So I'll hand over to David, who believe yeah. has a I prize. Think, yeah, I, I think with this one as well, it's the first episode and it's so close. So I, th- I think we will give out. Prizes to all, yeah. but um, yeah, um, participation medal. Participation award. <laughs> yeah, um, Laura, uh, Rick and Morty or Harry Potter? Oh, I can go with either. What would you prefer? I'm I'm a Harry Potter girl. I'll go with Rick and Morty then. I prefer that. <laughs> I was half expecting I'm a Harry Potter girl. Harry Potter, it is. It, does, it doesn't mean the Kelly gets Harry Potter. I'll say that just because it's more clear. What I think that one would be. So this is going to be a fun reveal. You get to see what's in this pint-sized yes. hero. Oh my gosh, I hope it's Mr. Oh, it. Poopy Butthole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Laura has a uh, pint-sized hero, so it's a mystery bag. We get to see which one she has. Yeah. <gasps> it's Morty! Oh. <laughs> which, That's really cute. Which Morty is that? Or is that... I don't know. Or is it his like... dad? Or maybe it's his dad. I think it is. Yeah, You're right. It's probably Jerry. It's Jerry. Jerry. Looks cool. concerned. It's probably To be Jerry. fair, I think out of all of them, this is probably the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> I think, is it Mr. Poopy Butthole is the one which I saw on the back of it? Like, that would be the yeah, clearest one. Yeah, look how Oh, I know, but like you would know he's in there because he has like a hat. Oh, yeah, all the I others guess. are like just oh, I just, I really want Squanchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kelly, I had to, we had to get this one based on your p- past experience on this podcast and in the cinema. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, thank you. It is a Funko Pop keyring of Bo Peep. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, thank you guys for being on the podcast and joining us for our first episode of Well, Good Movies. Uh, 
plug some stuff, anything to find you at? Boogie Mustache, Kelly's writing, all that kind of stuff. Where can we find you? Literally every social at Kelly Lou Bishop, L-O-U. And yeah, I'm constantly updating on what I'm up to. I'm currently in the process of revamping my website as well. So keep oh. up to date with that. Yeah, keep an eye out. Uh, Laura, where can you find yourself? Um, yeah, so my uh, Twitch channel... Um, I have my own Twitch channel and I also have Boogie Moustache channel, but you can just find me at Boogie Moustache. It's easier. Um, if you just go on Twitch and search Boogie Moustache, you can find me there. And also on my website, which is lauralation.co.uk with all my blog stuff. Yeah, and that's, yeah, Boogie, like, so dance Boogie, not uh, Boogie Moustache. No, <laughs> like in case anybody that's, that's mistypes a completely that different yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, yeah, uh, you can uh, catch us at our sort of uh, new uh sort of titles um hopefully facebook will have updated by the time this comes out um which will be uh, at fresh take um so because we are sort of uh, our website is fresh take now uh, this podcast is sort of a part of that sort of like banner um hopefully we'll maybe have some instagrams purely for the podcast which would be well good movies um but at the moment you can still catch us at uh, fresh take hub on instagram and our website which is freshtakehub.com and there you can see lots of uh, fun stuff craig's recently done a uh, written analysis of uh, Ash winning the Pokemon uh, League in the, the newest anime series. And uh, also you can see, like we mentioned before, where Laura's written a Stranger Things review. And I think pretty soon we should have stuff like, uh, well, be coming up soon, we got Rambo and Downton Abbey is on there at the moment. So lots of film reviews and lots of stuff as well will be coming up soon. Uh, one thing probably would be the Joker review, and that's going to be in our next episode as well. We've got two Joker experts, which will be talking about why is the Joker such a, you know, important and uh, popular character. So that should be a fun one. Uh, thank you for joining us once again, guys. Hope you had fun. Uh, thank you, Craig. Anything to sort of sign off with? No, I'm just... Hopefully the FG is happy. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, like I said, our... Um, submissions to him which like said would be jurassic park the indiana jones trilogy and why do i keep forgetting this one uh jaws <laughs> that means jaws <laughs> i was like what snappy fish <laughs> well that's um, basically what that's jaws what is, is. Yeah. <laughs> no i was just thinking of those like little claw things but it can't be a shark i suppose yeah cool right thank you guys uh, we'll catch you uh next time on uh well good movies and yeah by all means continue to sort of like send us messages show your support uh, if you'd like to see any topics in the future we'd love to know and uh yeah we'll catch you on the next one thank you everyone bye I'm devastated. That's fine.